This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3409 for Thursday, the 26th of August 2021. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws S01E37, all about Hacker Public Radio and is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromic and is about 96 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is an interview with Ken Fellon, janitor at Hacker Public Radio. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux In-Laws Season 1, Episode 37. Martin, how are things? Things are great. We got another great guest tonight. Mr. Yes, we do. Why don't you introduce yourself, Kellen? For the few people who do not know you. I'm Ken Fallon. I'm one of the janitors at HPR Hacker Public Radio. And I'm on to talk to you tonight about Hacker Public Radio in a paid sponsorship deal. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, dear listeners, Hacker Public Radio is the platform that boosted a small independent podcast by the name of Linux in-laws over a year ago to its current fame and fortune. So we have been loyal to Hacker Public Radio since its very beginning, as in the, as in the beginning of, of something called LinuxInlaws.eu. So tonight we're going to explore what this platform is all about. So Hacker Public Radio is a podcast that is releases one show every weekday, Monday through Friday, on any topic that is of interest to hackers. That That sounds interesting. That we've managed to scrape Linux in-laws under that. (laughs) (laughs) And we are more than grateful for this, Ken. Okay, you touched 
you touched on a very interesting subject from the start. Before we go into other interesting topics like the history of, of Hyperbolic Radio, why don't you explain a little bit about the philosophy and why this is not necessarily bound, bound to text subjects? Um, well, it's of interest to hackers is, is a nice catch-all really for what's, what's of interest to hackers because I, what I found interesting down through the years is every show is uniquely different. And sometimes that might be uh, somebody reading the 80286 instruction set. Uh, that's definitely of interest to hackers. But equally, um, we had a show where uh, a guy strapped on an MP3 player onto his hat, went for a swim down a river in France, went as far as the weir, turned and swam back. And that was of interest to hackers. So uh, the amount of feedback you get from shows, uh, is this interesting or not? So yeah, it's it's been a good barrier. It's It, it encompasses the technical aspects, but it also encompasses the uh, friendly aspect that you're sitting in, sitting down listening to, uh, you know, somebody servicing the car or fixing their bike or painting their house or cleaning their gutters. These have all been shows of people are just chatting. So you have the wow. kind of hacker space feel as well to it, but equally you have the important messages, you know, we're, we're in the period of time we've, we've done, tried to do some social work as well to, you know, put forward messages of internet censorship and, and the like. So Whatever it wow. is, if it's of interest to hackers. Full disclosure, I first came across Hacker Public Radio ages ago on something called Floss Weekly. Um, I don't know if you remember the episode. I, I think it was you, but it might have been, it, it might have been somebody else talking to when Randall was still around, as in Randall yep. Schwartz, the, the second person running that podcast. <laughs> And I can't remember who it was, basically, but somebody mentioned that there was actually an episode on somebody talking about his or her experiences in a mental ward of hospital. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that wow, was, that was an interesting episode. And you know, thankfully, as far as I know, they're doing a lot better right now. Um, so that's great. But you know, that's an experience that you're not gonna that you're maybe not. Gonna think is going to be of interest to hackers, but yeah, turns out to be yeah, um, an experience. We've we've quite a, a a fairly hefty series on mental health issues, um, and ex on other things like accessibility and such. But uh, the mental health issue uh, series is a is a popular one, and you know if anybody listens to this is having. Is feeling a bit down. No harm to go have a listen to some of those and reach out to us here on on the network. Where we're happy to check in on you and see yeah, everything is is doing okay. Is that still running? That series? Yeah, okay. and the series is running. So you know, some <laughs> okay. series some series go quiet for a while and then they come back to life. So yeah, it is. It is. Okay, why don't you explain a little bit about this, about the about the history of the project before we continue that discussion? Well. The, the history of the first mention of Hacker Public Radio um, goes way back to uh, a, a show called um, uh, Radio Freak America. And 
the whole, I don't know if you're familiar with the freaking scene, but the, it, it was like the pre-internet sort of hacking thing, where hacking in the sense of gaining access to uh, telecommunication systems of companies usually. Um, and at the time, you know, phone, international phone calls and long distance phone calls were extremely expensive. Um, you know, we're, we're looking now with all the recording things that we have now, it's considered free just that you, what we assume is normal that I'll be able to communicate with anyone anywhere in the world and have a video conference. And I'd be really annoyed if like 10 people are not allowed to join or the bandwidth stutters back in the day we had to pay for stuff. So, um, there was a whole, um, a whole underground movement called, uh, uh phone freaking at the time. And on that, the internet was starting, and one of those groups um, was started uh, to share information with hackers. So to promote hacking as and radio, well, freaking as it was at the time, hacking kind of came later. Um, and from that, they a lot of people were they released the show up onto the internet, and then. Um, the RSS protocol came along and then that became an RSS feed and the whole podcasting thing started. And then two other um, computer groups, one was called um, uh, the Binary Bin Rev Radio, Binary Revolution. And they had a podcast stemming off from that called uh, Bin Rev Radio, oddly enough. And they ran for a few years and uh, in parallel with them was um, in Phenomicon Community Club, they had one as well. And they, uh, uh, some of those guys had uh, uh, podcast incubator things where they were encouraging people to try podcasting. And a lot of people were uh, podcasting at the time. A lot of Linux links uh, was going as well. And TLLTS are still going strong. Um, so th those guys came up with the idea of starting a shared podcast. And one of the last things that was mentioned on Radio Freak America was the idea of starting this thing called Hacker Public Radio, which is uh, a play on the um, US public service um, called uh, PBS. So, uh, um, so having like a PBS service, but for hackers. And the idea there originally was that they would start a Today with a Techie show. It was around the time that uh, uh, Leo Laporte was starting off his network. So this was a, a play on words. Not very... Uh, people shouldn't really pick jokes when they're... Joke names when they're doing uh, podcasts. Because um, anyway. So the Today with a Techie started... And the idea was that a calendar would be put up and every uh, you know, podcaster that was podcasting at the time would pick a day in which to release a show. Um, and it was actually that project that I started, uh, I got involved in because they were saying, hey, we're, well, after a while, we're going to open it up to the public so that you know basically anybody can send in a show. So that ran for a while. And then uh, after 300 episodes, that basically just rebranded into Hacker Public Radio uh, overnight. And that was the merging of the two podcasts. So uh, um, uh, Bin Rev Radio had stopped and Infonomicon 
radio had also stopped and the two teams came together and I think uh, Enigma started uh, posting shows at that time as well. So, so that continued on for quite a while. And that's where Hacker Public Radio came from. So then there was a, a schedule sent around and basically anybody could post a show uh, according to uh, you pick a slot, pick a calendar and that sort of thing. So that's basically the history of HPR in essence. Nice one. <clears throat> so, so was there any personal motivation for yourself to, to uh, was it the uh, creating a forum for people to do this or was it something that you felt you wanted to bring your own messages out there in terms of podcasting? Well, at the, at the time I wasn't involved in this. I'm not part of the BinRev uh, community. I'm, not, I'm also not part of the um, Digital Dog Pound largely because I'm not in the regions where those two computer clubs basically, I think we would call them hackerspaces now, uh, operate. So um, when they had the opportunity to, when they were doing this idea of sharing knowledge and, uh, you know, a, a common place to post shows, um, I thought, well, brilliant, I'll, I'll just contribute as a host. But it, my involvement as a janitor didn't really start for, oh, a good, maybe it's, uh, so we started HPR itself, Today with the Techie started uh, 15 years, seven months ago, excuse me, 15 years, seven months ago today, as you hear this, and 13 years ago it was renamed and it kind of ran for, I think I am started to help out about 10 years ago now. Let me see, one second. I was actually sponsored. So if you go to the website and go full episode guys, uh, full episode guys, and look for old soldiers, uh, that was back in 2010 was when um, I started getting them, you know, involved. I volunteered as a janitor to help out. So 2010, that was, uh, yeah, well, I suppose it's approaching 10 years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, past 10 years ago now, so fair enough. Um, so 2010, um, what was happening was the, the number of shows coming into the queue was, um, was going down. Uh, basically, life happened to the admins at the time. And... Um, I'm using the word admins and janitor interchangeably here. I can go into that more detail on that later if you want. Uh, but uh, at that time, so the project was going for, you know, good uh, a good five years at that time. And then um, uh, it started basically to pod fade a little bit. And I didn't know whether as a host at the time, we can get a lot of feedback on on when your shows were, were put in, basically just put them into uh, on the FTP server and they got posted or they didn't. So I had posted two shows <laughs> and uh, they weren't coming out. So I kind of emailed uh, emailed the, the list to say, okay, what's the story? Are we going to continue with this project or are we going to put it to bed? You know, basically, because Old Soldiers was a Lost in Bronx episode, basically how to deal with um, uh, pod fading. You know, that you, you have a if you're building up a listenership as a podcaster and you decide to stop, how, how is the best way to do that? So you right. 
you know, you tell your audience, well, I'm intending to stop. Here's the reasons why. And then you say it'll be in so many episodes. I'm going to stop, not just, okay, this was the last episode and you leave them high and dry. So uh, that was, you know, and you archive your stuff and you uh, make sure it's up on internet archive and make it available to people. And you, you know, you don't redirect mm -hmm. the, the website to different places. You know, so do you wrap up the project nicely? So, uh, I posted a question to the HBR mailing list at the time saying, okay, guys, what are we going to do? Are we going to, uh, are we going to keep this thing going? And basically if you, if you want, I can help out. And then, uh, or if you want, I think we should continue with this. And then, uh, Enigma says, Hey, our troops, I can't remember one of the, one of the guys says, uh, do you want, do you want to post the shows? Okay, fair enough. So, uh, mm -hmm. from that moment, I got the keys to the, the rest uh, is history, uh, as they say, I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's important to remember what my, well, it's important for me to, to make it clear what my role it, here is. And essentially I'm a bash script that just says, Hey, could you do a show on that? Could you do a show on that? <laughs> and our goal has been to automate as much as possible. But the thing that you, as a, uh, what we were called was admins, but I like to think of us as janitors. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the Hacker Public Radio website and go to the About page, there's a bit there about the HPR community and the governance of HPR. So we've got the we've got the real admin, so Josh, who who has the uh, runs the web server and stuff. He is the real admin. You know, he does the spam stuff and keeping uh, keeping people off, keeping right, right, right. you know all that all that networky stuff is done by him. Um, they, there's a surprisingly little amount of technology involved in in having this website. Um, so it's basically just a website that we post a copy of a database and put an RSS feed out so that on a particular day, it, it chunks out a show every day. Um, uh, kind of lost my trail thought. Oh yeah, governance. So what I tried to do was, uh, when I started helping out, was to... Uh, number one, give feedback on every show. So uh, have a community news episode every first, uh, released on the first Monday of every month. Then we have a community news show. And what we do there is we go and review every episode, make sure that everybody gets some feedback on their shows. Um, and it's invariably positive because, you know, I can I can find something in every show that there's been on that has been, that I've gone, okay, well, I can't see myself using that now, but I might be able to see myself using that later or was entertaining or uh, made me cry or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, or you go, good. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm it made you cry I, in a good I, way or in a bad way. <laughs> so, sometimes uh, in, a, in a bad way in that, you know, somebody is not, that um, episode where, uh, where, Sigflop was in the hospital was was not a pleasant episode to listen right, to. So right. uh, yeah, um, but on the other hand, uh, she also made me cry when she did the uh, Cisco episode where she took some Cisco phones and <laughs> and went in modified this firmware and stuff and got them got running VoIP over these phones and the audio was totally crap, but the enthusiasm of the 
you know, hey guys, I'm recording this down a void format, and here's how I did it, and I just had to recompile the compiler and and get butterflies to flutter over to change bits on the thing. So yeah, it's you laugh, you cry. So yeah, that's uh, that's it. But governance important point was for me was to make sure that everybody got some feedback uh, because through feedback. Um, you know, that's the currency of a podcaster is getting feedback. You guys know that. If yep, you go, yep. oh, somebody sent me an email and it's positive, that's great. Uh, <laughs> that is the currency. So it's important to get feedback. The first feedback I got was on a, you know, on a show where it was some guy said, hey, that, that comment that you had about Ubuntu, that's completely wrong. It doesn't work like that. And I replied back, yeah, but the episode you're listening to was two years old. So <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've fixed it since then. So, uh, yeah. That's that was the main thing, but it's also important to remember that we, I do not set the policy. I, I suggest the policy, or I bring topics up on the mailing list. Um, but equally, other people bring topics up on the mailing list. This week has this week has been actually very busy on the mailing list for uh, topic discussions. But we'll cover all that in the community news. So. Janitors, we we basically, are, I am not Mr. HPR. I'm just a essentially a bash script that will ask you to do shows. Uh, needless to say, the link for the mailing list will be in the show notes, people. So if yep. you want to subscribe to this mailing list, you're more than welcome to. And Mr. Fallon, sorry. Yeah. Can I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that there is no censorship on any episode or any content that people submit, or is there? I'm just wondering if there's a general policy because I, I, I don't simply I don't know about, and if there is, where do you draw the line if you draw one? Uh, so if you go to uh, the HPR website and you go to uh, give shows, the, the first thing you'll you'll see is a list of stuff you need to know. So basically, it's a summary of the podcast. So we're going to stop it as a podcast if we don't get enough shows. So I will say to you or your listeners. If somebody thinks they should, they have written a blog post, ask yourself the question, would this make a podcast? And the answer will be yes. Yes. Will anybody be interested in it? Yes. Yes. Send it into Hacker Public Radio. But we'll come back to that. So the stuff you need to know, we don't syndicate shows. Uh, we release under CC by SA. Uh, you have permission to redistribute your show entirely, which means, you know, if you've got music on there, you need to have permission. And your show will not be moderated. So if we click down to that one. Can, can, sorry, sorry. For the few listeners who don't know what CC by SA means, maybe you should explain this. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Just in case. Release... No, no, good. very good. Thanks, and thanks for pointing out. So we uh, are here to promote sharing knowledge. And as part of that, our... Uh, license is the Creative Commons uh, Creative Commons license, which means that if somebody stumbles upon a, upon a piece of work that has got a Creative Commons license on it, even though there might be different variants of it, at least you know what you're allowed to do with it. So at a minimum, if it's got a Creative Commons license, you're allowed to download it. So technically, if you listen to a podcast that doesn't have that has that has copyright or right reserves on it, or has no copyright on it at all, that work is copyright all right reserves which means it's illegal for you to download that under uh i'm not a lawyer by the way but this is my understanding now obviously it would be very difficult to prove that uh or it would be very difficult to argue that if somebody's putting it on the website and says hey please download my podcast 
But that is the license. So to get around that, this Creative Commons thing has come up where the shows where you can license a work and you can say, uh, well, I, I want people to listen to my stuff. And so I would go and pick a license. So let's go to the Creative Commons website. As you do. It's amazing how often I go here, actually. Uh, Creative Commons website. And there's a lovely button on there called Pick a License. And it'll tell you uh, the various things that you're allowed to do. So if you're choosing the license, you get uh, CC. So you can... CC part is Creative Commons. Buy is, if you see that tag associated with the work, it means you have to credit the person who, uh, if you're redistributing it, um, you have to credit the person who has created it. Uh, SA means share alike. So if you download it under one of the Creative Commons licenses, you need to share it under the same license. And sometimes people put in a non-commercial clause in there. I would advise people not to do that because that actually prevents people from, I don't know, um, putting it on a CD and, or on a USB stick. And then if you sell that USB stick, you know, to cover the costs or to promote your project, if it contains uh, CC bias, ANC, non-commercial stuff, then you're, you're into a gray area. Do you need, to, are you violating the terms of that person's license by doing that? So does that explain Creative Commons? It does indeed, thank you. So um, moving back to the um, general Hacker Public Radio itself about your original question is, do we moderate uh, the shows? And the answer is no, we don't moderate your audio. We might edit your audio, we might try and improve it. Uh, we convert it to mono usually, um, but we don't vet, edit, or moderate, or censor any audio on the show. We trust you to do that, and that's an important that's an important thing. Um, so, yeah. yep. So, yeah. if if anybody wants to talk about pedophilia or drug use or any other subject that is illegal in most jurisdictions, these are just examples, but you get my drift. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't censor this at all. No, because I don't even listen to it before before it's posted. Uh, and that has two advantages. One, the, the history for, from that is, why should I censor other hackers? So I've got a hacker space, or you know, you can imagine a bar camp, for example, FOSTEM, for example, Lightning Talks of FOSTEM. I know, you, I think we met at FOSTEM. We did say. indeed, yes. So a Lightning Talk there, or a bar camp at Odd Camp or something like that, or you're out in the middle of a tent as, as one of the hacker fest, hack festivals. Are you going to talk about those? Uh, so you, you're you going to go and, and a hacker comes along and they are my peers. So why should I say, why should I have any right to say what they can and can't put on the network? That said, though, if... Um, uh, that said, we do. There's a happy balance there, and there was a great show done uh, on freedom of speech and censorship, uh, done by Mirror Shades, uh, and that basically has set our policy with regard to this, because there's a delicate balance there. Uh, so we do ask you to uh, announce the fact that you're going to be discussing these sort of topics, 
before, or, you know, you're going to be talking these sorts of topics. So, you know, say you're in, you want to protect, uh, you know, minors or whoever who, who don't want to listen to this. So we, we will put that a warning on that the show itself is, uh, has, has got some explicit content. Although that even so, <laughs> the, the use of the word explicit, uh, is also a problem for people who find all my shows are explicit because I go into explicit detail about this technical topic. <laughs> okay. In the, in the iTunes version of what explicit means. But also we ask people to put a warning on it and we ask people to give, give people the opportunity to, um, turn off the radio in case there are minors or in case they're listening in a public uh, area or something like that. And then if you have, if you say things, um, you know, if you're making a point um, about uh, uh, paedophilia, for example, um, and it's a valid show about about dealing with paedophilia or um, uh, some interesting aspect of it from a, a social worker point of view, I can I, I can imagine that would be of interest to hackers. And uh, yeah, so long as it's it's wrapped up in the in the, in the, with the, some warnings and give people notice, then yeah, it's a, it's a perf, perfectly acceptable show for the most part. And that show about on freedom of speech and censorship basically uses the analogy of a CD um, case where the real case, you go into a CD store and there's explicit warning, explicit material on it. So that's what we're asking people to do. I've used that, uh, that warning on several shows. Uh, we did. My wife and I did a, a show on, um, on uh, IVF treatments, and that can be tough for some people to listen to. And also, it's, you, as a parent listening in a car, you might be, you might, <laughs> might bring up some questions to people. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, it's very sensible. But yeah, I agree with the freedom of speech piece, and everybody has a choice to turn it on or off if they if they want to. Um, yeah, but it's important that they know that, that that you know you have the choice, and that's what we ask. That's what we're the whole point of trust is there. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're just uh, you know out cycling and you're listening to your podcast, and then you don't get this warning, you need some time to you're listening to a show about something else, and then this comes up then there's a, a break of trust there. And the only thing we can do as janitors is go back later and put in the explicit warning on yeah. the show. Um, okay. So, but thankfully that hasn't happened uh, too much. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And the um, other thing is of course the, um, the, the safe Harbor thing, kind of the fact that we don't listen to it or edit it allows us to do the uh, safe Harbor thing. Not that we've ever been told to take down a piece of work as yet. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned earlier that you you listen to each and every show so far. Yes. And yeah. um, so my question on that is, uh, when, when and where do you listen to shows, and what is your day job? Um, I listen to uh, I listen to every show, and if you don't, I sometimes think, hey, did, did I listen to every show? And sometimes <laughs> I I have to go back and uh, listen to. <laughs> listen to there's a topic and i go back to the hbr tags page uh, which is on the main page and it gives you a link to every all the topics that we've covered 
And thanks to all the community who's gone back and added all these tags. And I think, God, did I listen to that or not? And then I play the show and I can immediately remember where I was whenever I heard that uh, podcast or any podcast. So it's, uh, I have listened to them all. Yeah. And it's a requirement to be on the community new show. Well, it's not, yeah, it's a requirement. We ask people if you're going to be, come on to the community new show that you listen to all the shows. But it's not a burden, actually, because there there has not been a show that I haven't listened to uh, from start to finish. Well, there's been a few. The snoring episode, 5150, uh, <laughs> may he rest in peace. Uh, that was one that was that was hard to get through. And the, the one, the April Fool joke I did where I uh, uh, put in uh, all the pin numbers from <laughs> 000 to 9999. So that, that was more. That was just more boring than anything else. But <laughs> okay. if you've listened to uh, how many shows is it now? Uh, Three thousand eight hundred and eighty-six shows. Then you know you're, you you kind of have to listen to them all. Mm-hmm. So, so when do you listen to the shows? Normally? So um, prior to COVID and lockdown, uh-huh. um, I had a an hour and a half commute in the morning and an hour and a half commute in the afternoon. So that was. Yeah. New problem whatsoever, mm-hmm. and I also speed up my podcasts uh, uh, twice the speed. At times too, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And would, uh, I mean, what what is your day job, if I may ask? My day job <laughs> is I work for a large cable operator on their back end. Right, so you're a uh, computer guy yourself. Yeah, I'm a, my official title is, uh, <laughs> well, I'll video, video system engineer, but kind of a system engineer. I mean, you sound Irish, but I understand that you don't live in Ireland anymore. No, that's correct. I am Irish. I, uh, Jesus, but I'm also Dutch now. <laughs> so, Are you, uh, you're Dutch on my commiserations. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I love <laughs> Sorry, full disclosure, my co-host is of Dutch <laughs> origin too, but he factored to the UK at some yeah, stage. Very, very sensible, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we, uh, I, uh, I, oddly enough, I think I'm, yeah, the last, I met my wife in the last place where I expected to meet uh, my wife, which was in an Irish bar. So, uh, but it's just weird <laughs> as luck would have it. So she moved to Ireland for uh, two years and then um, she works in the healthcare, and a lot of the health care in Ireland is uh, run by uh, on a voluntary basis. You know, a lot of the unless you work in Dublin, uh, the a lot of the treatments are are Dublin based. So um, for the stuff that she does, um, anyway. But so, she's Dutch, I suppose. She is Dutch, yeah. Although you wouldn't, she's actually the voice who does the intro and outro at the end. Does the uh, all right? Yeah. I see. Uh, okay, she's been on quite a lot of shows as well. She's done a few shows as well. Um, and uh, so then we moved. We did a year in England um, <laughs> under the naive idea that if we were in a country halfway between Ireland and the Netherlands, it would be convenient <laughs> for people coming over. But it just meant that we had to travel to Ireland and we had to travel to the Netherlands. So, <laughs> so then, um, I, um, I said, you know, in an IT sector, you can get a job anywhere basically. So I, uh, 
I thought, yeah, I'll move to the Netherlands. And it proved actually uh, more Irish in a way um, than uh, than living in England. It was it's kind of weird that way. Hang on, you're saying that the Netherlands is more Irish? <laughs> yeah, I found okay. more similarities. In which aspect exactly? <laughs> yeah, I am. just curious now. Well, well and, and which part of Holland the, did you live in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignoring the, the, the third dimension for, for a start, the complete and total lack of geography, other than the <laughs> geography that they've made themselves. But I actually really find that... Um, you know, it's freaky, the whole, the, the whole Dutch thing, right? You're walking around in a place that's nine meters, where I work, uh, we're like nine meters below sea level. Nine right. meters below sea level, you could have, you would need four people of my height standing on my shoulders and you'd still drown. <laughs> but nobody passes any heat in this year. It's grand. It's just, we're all um. living here. And they have a they have a, a church called the New Church, which is underwater or you know under sea level, which is older than the United States of America. It's just you see, Ken. There, there's a place in Dublin called the Long Hall that yeah. might qualify for under sea level too, depending on on the spot you're in in the in the Pentagon pub. <laughs> but that's another story, I suppose. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, uh, the Netherlands is it's. Uh, uh, nice. The only thing was that the, I would warn anybody if you come over here the first Monday of the month at twelve noon they have this um, air raid siren that oh, they still going? Test not... their, uh, so you're walking. This is you, right? You're walking down the street, minding your own business. All of a sudden, yeah. goes off everywhere, <laughs> and not just in one place, but everywhere. And your your mobile phone is going. Everybody's mobile phone is going nuts. And nobody is doing a thing. All the Dutch people are cycling along, happy out. Nobody's passing any news. And it's like you're in the, they came from another world. So, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> but then maybe the old adage hasn't changed that, never, that the Netherlands consider themselves to be constantly under attack from foreign nations and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do um, not know. Martin may have a comment on this. <laughs> Well, we have these these neighbours, which are <laughs> yes, true, true. <laughs> on various sides <laughs> who think that invading us is, is uh, some kind of hobby or something. <laughs> Martin, I think it's actually the other way around, and and caravans do play a very important role in this. <laughs> uh, to be fair, the, the, but I digress. <laughs> the um, uh, I, I don't know. Have you heard the Dutch national anthem yet, uh, Ken? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It, I... it, it talks about the, the Spanish invasion in the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, we, we do remember things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I am of German blood, so okay. Yeah. You are uh, okay. No, no. This oh, is they, the Dutch uh, national anthem. The, I'm William of Orange. I'm of German. I see. Blood. Sorry. Okay. I just got confused there. <laughs> Okay, mm -hmm. back to HPR. Yes, <laughs> this is yes, not yes. a podcast on, on history, but rather on, on something else. Do you share statistics with, with any of the, of the people who broadcast on HPR so that they have at least some sort of notion, uh, of how many people are listening? I, as a matter of fact, I mean, if you deploy, you say you have a search engine, you see that quite a few sites are actively scraping HPR and syndicating yeah. vol uh, un uh, either mm -hmm. unknown or not the mm -hmm. content you have out there. 
Yeah, especially RSS aggregators. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I see loads more of them coming along and they come and they go. But that's what the license is. The license is uh, Creative Commons CC by SA. And they do because we have it in the they do give attribution because we put attribution into the shows itself. So yeah, mm. that's, that's fine. But you don't keep stats yourself in terms of you well, don't provide no. feedback to the to the to the to the, um, to the hosts. The uh, the the this topic has come up on the mailing list before, and this is one example where uh, I, as a janitor, will make sure that the topic is discussed and that the requests of the community are supported. So they the community wishes to know what the stats are for their shows and you can get that by going to the internet archive and basically mm -hmm. it's listed right there for the shows for this uh, particular date where the archive actually pays you a visit yes yeah so we serve our audio any audio that hasn't been uh, hasn't been in the main feed comes from uh, the Internet Archive. Uh, sorry, any audio that hasn't uh, been, you know, if it's on the Internet Archive, we'll take it from there. If it's not, it'll be from the um, HPR website itself. So Dave, um, my other uh, janitor, Dave Morris, is busy at the moment, uh, going back, finishing off the last few episodes and tidying up the tags. And he's done huge amount of work also with the Internet Archive people on getting the formatting and okay. the thing uh, on the Internet Archive. For example, it, it turns out now if you type in Hacker Public Radio, uh, you're more likely to hit on the Internet Archive page than you are on the Hacker Public Radio site. Are you serious? So, yeah, yeah, which is fine. And okay. to be honest, <laughs> a lot of our, a lot of our uh, hosts and contributors have not even seen the website in you know, five years, 10 years because you have no reason to go there or you, you just go to the upload link and uh, you get everything for your feed. But I don't believe that stats are useful. And I'll tell you why. Uh, this is my own personal opinion. This is not the official opinion of Hacker Public Radio, which is that we do the stats. Um, I, as a, from a security point of view, I don't, I, there's a lots of privacy related information that is, um, that is in those stats, you know, the, from a, a GDPR point of view, got your IP address w when you logged on and stuff. So you need to fiddle with them. But thankfully, uh, the Internet Archive solved that for us because the stats over there are, are more or less going to be the stats that you get. So that's it. If somebody has a request for particular stats, we you know put that into the mailing list and we'll get it. But my personal feeling on Hacker Public Radio, on any given show, on Hacker Public Radio is it is a standalone entity. And if somebody derives value of that, if only one person derives value from that, then that show is a valid show. And for that person who has driven value from it, then that to them is the best show in the world. I'll give you an example. Every time I turn on my soldering iron here, this soldering iron, I think of the Mr. X show where he taught me how to solder on a podcast. Now, I can imagine people have mentioned to me before when I've said that they've said, how the hell can you learn how to solder on a podcast? And I imagine a lot of people 
turned oh, off question. that episode <laughs> because yeah okay I, I'm not going to learn how to solder from a from a podcast I'll I'll go to a YouTube video but there you go so who who am I to judge and if it's four o'clock in the morning right and you're stuck in a data center somewhere and you find the HPR page with the awk command that uh, <laughs> that shows you how to transform the stupid file that you have here that's four gigabytes and you need to transfer it over there yeah that show was a value because it saved that person's butt and we get lots of comments on older shows that come in that you know are four or five years old you go this really saved my butt <laughs> and quite a lot of them are from myself to my own shows that i've done because i got i know i heard that somewhere and then I go back and I find out that it was a show that I recorded some years ago on HBR telling now, can, exactly how to do it. The the reason, the initial reason for this question was basically some people are concerned about monitor, monitorization of the whole thing. You see, at the moment, and I can only discuss what I can, Linux in-laws and the infrastructure behind it is actually funded by some cartels and other entities, let's put it this way. Um, but especially Martin is hot on the idea of not only dominating the world with free and open source software, but making a good deal of money with this podcast. And this is the reason basically why stats are so important for at least Martin, if not myself. Yeah, but then you don't want our stats because our stats are too honest. What you want to do is do impressions. Because, uh, <laughs> okay. So... The way I do it is uh, if somebody comes from an IP address within a 24-hour period for any given show, that is one view. Whereas I have, I know of entities where they will uh, gather every impression uh, on a media file and put that in as a view or as a link. Okay. Regardless of how long, even if it's only a second, even if it's only the continuation of a block of media where somebody's fast forwarding from mm. the start yeah. to the middle to the end, that's three impressions. And then they will also multiply that uh, by a number, five or so, and we'll give you the, um, <laughs> uh, the M count, and that will be used for advertising revenue. So it's all, uh, uh, Leo Laporte where, where the five has done some <laughs> very good episodes on, on subscriber count and how Basically, right. it's it's bull. And okay, I find you, it completely... You, you're saying there's, a, there's an episode on this already. I know uh, Leo Laporte has done an episode on this. I've oh, cool. We've had this discussion on the mailing list several times. Uh, it's no harm if you want to bring it up again. We can happily uh, happily have this um, discussion. But how do you... How do you... Episode, yeah. <laughs> how do you consider what an impression is? Because, you know, you could argue that a particular IP address where there's 200 downloads from a particular IP address. Well, yeah, it could be that that IP address is, um, you know, in the Great Wall of China. And those are 200 valid uh, views on the other side of that wall. So, yeah, you could you, you could say it's been proxied on another network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it could be an impression. But again, from my point of view, I'm not really interested in listeners. I'm I am interested in this, yes, <laughs> yeah. but I don't care about you people. No, uh, I I am interested in turning you people into hosts on the network, even if it is only one show. Um, you... Sorry, can Leo Laporte yeah. of Twit fame? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah Leon Laporte back in the day, okay. and, and it would be in the day now, uh, did a on one. Of I see. I can't. I can't remember. I'll try and root it out for you. Uh, he he has done when he was start, starting up his uh, the Twitter network. He was very open about how much money they made, um, the impressions that when the when they were discussing with advertisers. So you okay. know if you've got those um, magazines on the couch. Uh, they will. You know if you've got a s- subscription to a magazine. I don't know, like uh, I don't know, Flowers or Us or something. Yeah. Uh, the monthly magazine to show you how to cut your flowers. And the advertisers in that will be told, even though they've only got uh, 1,500 physical prints, they will say, oh, well, those 1,500 things are sitting in a doctor's office. So each each one of those magazines is viewed on the coffee table of a doctor's office 200 times. So they'll take the numbers and multiply that out, the number of impressions. So it's mm. all like pick a number. Which is why I I don't find it interesting. What I do find interesting, though, is the relationship between people who um, use a thing and subscribe to a thing. And that is um, NPR in America have done a breakdown, and it's about somewhere around the 1% uh, will voluntarily give back to a project. So I don't know. If you ever listen to YouTube or... uh, other podcasters, you know, if only one person give a dollar for, for, if I only had a dollar for everybody who downloaded this episode, you know, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You would be, but you know, that's not how the world works. You one, <laughs> you can expect <laughs> feedback of about 1%. Yeah. So given the number of subscribers that we have, I would have expected a lot more people coming in. So that's, then um, there's, there's a, a bridge there. There's a number of, the number of subscribers we have, the number of listeners we have, if we got 1% of that, that's the number of hosts that we should have in the year. So say if we have about 3,500, 4,000 people per show, we should have, I don't know, 40 hosts per year. I'm guessing. Mm. But also, just, that counts as a lot more than that. Anyway, can yeah. just curious, do people promote Patreon and the likes on their shows on HBR? Um, Speaking of monetization, well, here's the thing, right? They, the HPR, the Hacker Public Radio, is being paid for out of the pocket of uh, Josh Knapp, uh, one of our hosts, Josh. So he has a business, uh, anhonesthost.com, and if you're looking for serious hosting from somebody who and this is an advertisement. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely appreciate it. A recommendation. A, a real one. <laughs> a real one. Uh, Josh knows his stuff. And he's, when he says an honest host, he means if if you buy this amount of bandwidth, you're going to get this amount of bandwidth. I'm not going to oversubscribe and do all sorts of tricks. Mm-hmm. So, um, And he, he's a good guy and he does know his stuff. I mean, he's kept us in the, in the air for quite a, a while. And the other people that... Um, we have is uh, the hosting from the Internet Archive, which is an excellent project, um, where they are basically the inter- they're acting as the Internet's library, and um, their data servers are maintained voluntarily. So I subscribe, I um, uh, donate to them on a on a monthly basis as well. So there's nothing to stop you saying, "Hey, uh, subscribe to my Patreon within your within your account," but it would be 
uh, it will be within the context that the actual media has been served by these two, uh, these two people, um, either the Internet Archive or, or Josh. Yeah. And that also, you know, if you go to something like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or, or I don't know, Google Podcasts or what, Apple's iTunes or whatever, and you play your, your um, you play an HBR episode there, that data is not coming from their servers. That data is coming from our servers. It's uh, Josh who's paying for that, or it's mm. the Internet Archive who's paying for that. Don't uh, be un under any doubt as to who exactly is uh, is paying for that. Yeah, but uh, to be honest, um, a lot of the uh, I mean, we have people who financially contribute to HPR in the sense that. Uh, we have these booth kits that go around. And uh, so the idea there is uh, you got free open back in the day. When I were a lad, you could go to a meeting and uh, you didn't have to wear no mask. So, sorry, <laughs> ancient sorry. times. Yeah, those ancient <laughs> times you know, where people could actually be within uh, one and a half meters of each other and share a pint and breathe into somebody's face, shout into their ear. Um, Anyway, back in those days, um, we had uh, um, a, a booth kit. So we have a booth kit in, in the States, and we've got a booth kit here, and it contains a um, audio recorder and stickers and pamphlets and HBR logos and stuff. And I recently got some free software Foundation Europe stickers and that, and that sort of thing. And um, it's basically a booth kit. So we go and we'll ask at, um, I don't know, Ohio Linux Fest or uh, OddCamp or... or uh, FOSTEM. Um, FOSTEM, we were lucky to get a table last year. Uh, yeah, it was actually last year, so that was brilliant. And But we're there as a community. So if there's any swag, that's paid for by you know volunteers. So I, I only need to go to the mailing list and say, hey, guys, uh, somebody send me on some stickers or I'll get them myself or um, mm. pay for the um, pay for the banners and, and domain hosting and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not it's, it's not worth the hassle of dealing with the financial, you know, putting getting donations and all that sort of thing. Just send us, you know, if we need stickers, we'll ask. And Mainly like run by volunteers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And the tables yeah. are cool because you know at the at the FOSTEM table that was that was brilliant. Um, FOSTEM, I usually went around and interviewed all the kind of hallway tracks. It's kind of the hallway tracks that we do. So if somebody's at a at an event in OLF or uh, somewhere in America or wherever, and you're never going to be able to get there, then a HBR host will go around record people, you know, on the hallway track. Oh, I, I'm, I met the uh, Linux in those guys. How are you doing? What do you think of the episode? What do you think of the show? And what would you recommend seeing? Blah, blah, blah. And then that comes up as a show. And we did that quite successfully for FOSTEM for a few years. And um, those audio then are on the FOSTEM website. So um, that captured the whole feel of walking around uh, to the Debian booth and to the Free Software Europe booth and all the other nice. uh, places. So that's that was that's kind of cool. But last year we asked every year for a um, a booth, but I all I felt like the whole idea behind Fostem anyway is that you want to uh, they want to encourage um, more people to uh, 
mingle. So they they don't you know you know they'll have uh, a database room as opposed to a Postgres room. So they they're always trying to cross pollinate things. So we. Yes. Uh, submitted a proposal uh, for a podcast. The free um, it's on the main HPR website actually. If you go to there, it's the and the site is down now because I'm currently moving it to a, another one. Free Culture Podcasts Network. And, okay, uh, and that is basically any podcast, anything, uh, a list of podcasts that are active uh, that are released under a Creative Commons license. So. We put that in there and I have a link. And then uh, on the day we had like uh, an A4 brochure um, listing the podcasts so that, you know, if you're into, you mightn't be into HPR, but you might very well be into metal music. So the uh, open metal cast is right up your street, that sort of thing. So I can recall you giving this out at Fostem and yes. I. I, I, if I'm not completely mistaken, I saw this at an op, and an Ockham too in the UK. Yes, but yes. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, no, it's, it's. I, I really like this Fostem thing because a Fostem for for the few listeners who do not know Fostem, kids back in the olden days when people could still meet, you're looking at a gathering in Brussels where about the official version is anything between six and eight thousand people would gather over a weekend and discuss open source software, uh, not just from a technical, but also from a political and philosophical perspective. Uh, more realistically, I reckon we were looking at, at, at anything between 10 and, and, and 12,000 people. And the hallway tracks, never mind, never, besides the official kind of a schedule are the most important things because you get to meet people there. As a matter of fact, this is basically where I ran into Ken Fallon first time around and kind of pitched the idea of something called Linux in-laws on HPR. Uh-huh. In, in 2020. Fact, in fact, the first, uh, well, the second talk that I uh, attended after going to FOSTEM for about four years was uh, this year when it was online. <laughs> Prior to that, I was just too busy to go around <laughs> recording the whole <laughs> thing. You walk no, around absolutely. and somebody's got a Yagi no. antenna pointing it up and you go, okay, what's this? And then they're talking to you and you go, hold on now, let me take out my recorder because this is just too interesting. Okay, hi, who are you? What's this about? What are you doing here? Yeah, it's it's really cool. Nice, nice. So, so it wasn't the case that Chris was actually stalking you at Fostem. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, Martin, I never stalk people at Fostem. You should know this. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask a bit about um, uh, the, the hosts that you have and, and how they... Uh, I mean, I know you're always asking for shows, and I can see a lot of different topics on on uh, on the shows. Um, but is there something you'd like to encourage people um, to say about encouraging people to go onto HPR and uh, do a show, or is there a specific ah, show that you would say listen, listen to this one because this is how it's really done, uh, excluding the Linux inbox, obviously. But <laughs> um, and and then that should inspire people perhaps to do a show. Is is there something like that that you can I would, point people at? Or? I I don't know. I don't know what floats your boat. And I would say actually no. Don't don't listen to somebody else. Don't try. Don't try okay. to. Get perfect audio. Don't set the bar too high for yourself. <laughs> Your first show is going to be shit anyway. Just the sooner you send it in, the better. And we can all forget about it. So the best show you can do, 
especially if you're a long-term listener, is I, I'm a long-term listener. I've been listening to HPR since blah. I, who am I? You know, basically this, this thing, who, who am I? It's like as if you walk into a hackerspace and you've got this HPR. If you imagine HPR as this hackerspace, you get this whole group of people that we know exist. And then you got this massive 35,000 people who we don't know exist. So send us a show in just to introduce yourself. It's just, you don't come into somebody's house and just go, hi, I'm at the party and they don't say hello. <laughs> You know, just say hello. It's that's show number one. And then, yeah, of course, <laughs> Dave and I will listen to your show and we'll go, "Hey, you got into uh, use this eight-bit microcomputer, and you just happened to mention that in passing. Come on, do a show about that." Oh, and then we hook you in. That's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we listen to that show and we tell you to submit other shows. And then you become a regular, and then. Uh, then you're doomed. You become a podcaster, but don't HPR. We have this. We have this a uh, whole of models, and one of them is um, uh, flack is the best, but we'll accept the rest. So we do want perfect audio. Who doesn't? You know, you don't want to listen. You don't want to be listening to crap audio. But at the same time, you know, if if you're have the opportunity you're in a bus and Linus Torvalds happens to be sitting there next to you and he's willing <laughs> to do, exactly. an interview and the only thing that you have is your crappy mp3 player yeah that audio is going to be better than no audio so that, mm -hmm. you know, the, let's let's put things into context because you know yeah and then another thing uh, I I read this week uh, Mike one of our long time hosts says he doesn't submit shows because uh, because he's afraid other people might know more about it. And I go, what? <laughs> yes. There's always going to be someone who's going to know more about it. More about it. <laughs> yeah, always is, of course. Yes. Um, we have uh, we have Tattoo who does uh, the New World Order, and he, he is basically going through uh, all the, the packages in the Slackware, so essentially all the packages on the Linux distro. And for some of the applications, he will openly admit, I have no clue what this does. And you can hear like MAN space command. And then he reads it out. Okay, this is what it is. And this is what it does. And I don't know why you would use that. And then blah, blah. And then two weeks later, there's feedback from some dude who has an old blah, blah, blah computer and runs a tape deck. And this is the basis of their inventory and you know, they have no money to update this tape deck and their entire business is relying on it. And this command is very, very important <laughs> to them. You know, so like I did one show, right, where we were short of shows and I gave a tip on how to uh, tell your left earbud from your right earbud by putting a knot in it. And that, that was basically just a, a call for shows. But it, it is extremely useful, actually. It's a good tip. And that spawned three different shows where people sent in other tips on how to introduce tactile feedback to the keyboard and to their mic and other things. So it gets people thinking, my job is to is to lower the bar so much that people will want to submit shows. <laughs> I don't even know if that answers the question. And as far as the hosts are concerned, I, I have this weird thing where one of us, we've had, we've been running so long, uh, I guess, and that two of our hosts I know have passed away. Maybe more of them have, but uh, Lord uh, Lord Dragonbluth passed away um, 
uh, from cancer and 5150 passed away. It was a, uh, a very good, um, very committed to HPR and uh, as was Lord D. And the weird thing was that we had known him by his, uh, by his, both of them actually, by their handles. And then all of a sudden they, this, a real name comes out, you know, uh, and this whole, for the, for these people, there's a whole other part of their life that hasn't been associated with HBR. So, you know, I've been, uh, a kind of point I'm trying to make is, you know, on the internet, nobody knows you're a cat. So uh, I was, <laughs> I was at odd camp one day and I was just sitting at the breakfast table, uh, breakfast table, not feeling May West, you know, yourself. And I heard something. <laughs> Do I? Uh, yeah, well, you know. It's, That's okay. No details, Christopher, please. Um, <laughs> you've been to Ireland, right? You've seen Irish people the following morning. I've, I've, uh, lived, I've lived there for about eight years, yes. Yes, yes, I think you very well know what I mean. If you haven't experienced it yourself, you've seen other people living it. But uh, anyway, turns out, like, uh, you hear another a fellow podcaster, and you know, yeah, but you don't look like that, you know? so it's uh, it's yeah, it's kind of weird not not knowing who your hosts are. Joe Ressington comes to mind, are. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ken, just just wondering, UC or HPR seems to have quite a few regulars on the schedule, yeah. like Cloud2, like Anonymous, like other people come to mind. What do you think, or what would be the ratio between regulars and once-off, or people who just uh, produce shows very irregularly, let's put it this yeah. way, as in What's yeah. in the Blue Moon? And the quick answer to that is not, not enough. Uh, we don't have enough drive-by hosts. Um, so if in the morning everybody who listens to HBR submitted a show for a start, we would have enough shows to, for the next 10 to 15 years. But, um, if everybody did that, then like we have 260 slots per year. So that's, mm. that, uh, that's not really a lot, but um, of those about a half or more would be done by regular hosts. Uh, half like, of them. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or more. And that's, and that's oh, a bad that's statistic me, yes. from my point okay. of view, because, um, you know, I want the situation where you're fighting to get a slot. And, and there's, there's no such thing as an ideal show length either. Is there? I, I think I've seen no, some, no. some really short ones and some, some very long ones. I think you mentioned 24 hours. But... <laughs> exactly. The, um, the thing, there's no limit on the, what the content can be. There's no limit about what the topic is. You know, it can't be spam just, and I'm, um, yeah, it can't be spam, uh, and it has to be. Uh, you know, you got to be yeah of interest to hackers. But then again, if you're doing it, then right there you've got fifty percent of the hackers that you need. So you only need one more person to be interested in what you're talking about for it to be of interest to hackers. And as yet, I haven't come across a show that I didn't find interesting. So you know that that whole bar is covered right there. Ken, just wondering, uh, define spam in, in an HBR context. Would be like like art. Uh, like You're not referring to the food stuff then. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> what we we have not had any, or well, we've had loads of common spam uh, and even some good 
common spam. And I will say, if you are a spammer, uh, please do a show on HPR about that whole technology, that whole field. That would be absolutely awesome. I'd love to to hear about the motivation, why you do this, the, 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 the things that, the issues that you come across, how you get around uh, uh, blog sites, what exports you, uh, what exploits you use. Ken, you can only do so many shows on canned meat, no? Yeah, exactly. Ah, you could, you could make series. But, um, <laughs> okay. what I tend enough. to do is I'll just listen to it. And uh, um, there have been one or two occasions where we've had a comment spam come in where it's been dodgy as to whether it is or not. And what I'll do on that occasion is send it to the mailing list and say, okay, I think this is spam. What do you think? Okay. I'll go by consensus at the point. If yeah. I if I have a show and I'll fast forward through it and there's words like Linux and stuff, maybe it'll get posted before I realize it. But mm. more than more often than not, I'll be more attentive to new hosts than regular hosts. I'm just curious. Um, never attempts to post shows by bots or something. Bots tend don't tend to post shows. No, um, they do Apart post comments and the dead giveaway is, hey, this was an excellent article. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not an article. It's a show. So, yeah. Apart from the Selenium scripts I wrote to automate the upload yeah, process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, which brings me actually to a kind of minor, tiny question. There was some nutter proposing a an API a few a few moons back. Um, unfortunately, yes. there hasn't been much progress on this. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just and. and Subsequently, this nutter had to resort to other kind of more mechanical devices like Selen yeah. like set Selenium scripts. I'm just yeah. wondering if there's if, if if there will be ever an API where you can simply include this upload process in your podcasting producing workflow. I think that the person who's requesting this is a um, is unique in HPR land because... Fair enough. <laughs> because, it does happen. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, other, show, other hosts who post regularly uh, do it differently. Uh, they, Fair enough. They go through the process. Um, but I've been thinking um, you know, whenever I get time, you know, in that mythical, uh, the mythical land where there is time, <laughs> there is kind of uh, a few things that we... Uh, are planning on doing with HPR. Uh, one of them will not be done until I move, uh, doing some renovation in the house and stuff. So after that's done later on this year. So one of the things that we would like to do is move the entire site to a text-based, uh, a static site ge uh, generated. Static like, site like, like Hugo or Penguin or something like this? Something like, um, yeah. Uh, it'll be something Python-y because uh, anything that we do in HPR, we are a long tail project. So if okay. uh, if we get volunteers coming to the project, their minimum commitment is they have to be willing to support whatever it is they are contributing in terms of code for a minimum of two years. And the reason for that is like we've been going for 15 years. So it's a long-term commitment on, here in HPR. And if you decide if the contribution um, is brilliant, whatever, 
But if anything happens to you or you decide not to continue it, then uh, other janitors have to come in and take over the maintenance of that code. And we're already flooded. That's the main thing that we mm. do is try and get new shows, trying trying to get people to submit shows. That is the, the main thing that we do, uh, which is another reason why if p- other people, if you meet somebody and you come across a topic, always have in the back of your mind, would that be an interesting HBR episode? And lots of people will say no, but if, if 10% of those people say yes, then we have a new host. And if we can get one them to submit one show, it's possible we can get them to submit two shows, et cetera, et cetera. So that, keep that in mind. However, if we go to a static site generated um, website, my kind of view is then we put in a distributed, um, we have like something perhaps like a NoSQL database. Uh, not a NoSQL database, but an SQL-like database. So the the website itself for the upload and the uh, spam and whatever that will, that's a separate thing that will continue to be a lamp stack. But for the rest, <coughs> um, excuse me. For the rest, I'm I'm thinking of a sort of Git-like thing where you can edit your shows uh, using uh, GitLab instance or GitLab instance or our you know GitLab-ish instance, GitHub-ish instance. Uh, that way, you know, if you want to go and edit your show notes, you can, and we know it's you because you've got to log in, and your you know the system knows it's you because it's you. And that way, perhaps we can upload shows that way as well. Um, then it becomes like just a, a Git workflow that you submit shows, and then we need to hmm. um, we need to treat it like a pull request, basically. That's kind of the thought. very if good. Somebody wants to yeah. uh, somebody wants to work with me on on that at some point. Bearing in mind, I've been saying this for ages, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, very, very good to hear. Ken, And then the whole point is, I want to be able to take that database so that anybody can replicate it. And then, you know, good luck trying to DDoS us because everybody's got a copy of the database and everybody can just check, check, get, check out their version and or sync the media and boom, you've got, you've got this distributed network. And again, like you were saying earlier, oh, uh, all these other people are syndicating your content. Great. Now syndicate the database, syndicate the common system. So, mm. yeah. I mean, it's good to work. hear because the lag that I'm kind of tech supporting had, mm-hmm. has made this move about two weeks ago. We were running yes. Moin Moin, which is a Python-based CMS, and that, given the fact that the Python 3 part is nowhere near uh, completion with regards to being able to run on Python 3, we decided to abandon the idea of continuing Moin Moin and went for Yugo, which is a static site generator, and yes. that is basically combined with a Gitea instance. So mm-hmm. essentially... It's 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 that where it's that where workflow that you're describing. You simply basically whoever has whoever has has a, has a token or lack or login access to that site can submit a pull request. Uh, this is then approved, and then as part of an automated workflow, once you submit or once your pull request is accepted, you simply put in a hook that essentially regenerates the static HTML, and that works flawlessly. Perfect. I look forward to your show on that. 
In fact, you're serious. Let the in-laws work on this, yes. <laughs> because I would really like um, you to do something like that, uh, but like take it as a, a I don't know, the, a pet shop or something. You know, take a, it doesn't have to be a gift bureau, but take it as a, as a static website um, and try and keep it as simple, just bare bones as possible. You mean that my Selenium script are basically then will, will be a thing of the past? Excellent. Yeah, Can't yeah, wait. Yeah. I, really, <laughs> I really want to go to a. I want to go to a stage where people have their own. I, I don't know who you are. It's a, some of the fundamental things that that HPR stands for is kind of the whole um, the whole anarchy in the sense that we don't want rules. The only rule really is they one show a day, five days a week. And that that rule is currently up for discussion discussion on the mailing list. Uh, and it's good that it is. Um, as a contributor, as a HPR member, um, not as a janitor at the moment, my feeling on it is that we should release every weekday, Monday to Friday, because you have consistency. And, you know, if you turn on the radio in the morning and the news isn't there at nine o'clock, you know, your friendly weather guy uh, isn't there telling you what the traffic situation is, then you lose trust in that network. So that's one thing. But a lot of guys and a lot of podcasts, especially when we started, there was no, the, the joy of podcasting back in the day was, hey, the show can have F words in it. Great. Uh, my show can have can be four hours long today and I'll release another one in four weeks time and RSS will just pick it up and we're keeping a lot of that on HPR and it's important I think that we do Nice, nice so, yeah so, so I was going to uh, kind of follow on from that is, is you know I, I don't know about you but uh, it sounds or it sounds I get the impression that podcasting is becoming more and more um mainstream yeah mainstream um I mean, Martin, obviously, we are, obviously, we are obviously not for the youngsters but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Martin, are you implying we, we are mainstream now oh god yeah. i don't think so <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I mean you, you've done this for well you, you not, you know, not yourself uh, but um hbr has been going for 15 years how do you see this um ending up in the next uh oh i'll say 10 um, 15 years <laughs> It's it's HBR. It's it's kind of funny, as I said earlier. It's a long term project, and you see stuff come when you're seeing stuff go. You've seen, you know, what goes around comes around, and we're we're in a situation now where a lot of people are. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and there's a lot of air quotes competition. So we are going to see a a hit in the subscriber numbers, which we have. And okay. also the COVID has hit the subscriber numbers. So it's in, in a bad way or in a good way. Yeah, yeah, it's going to, it's, um, there's, let me see, um, Dar, over there on the, if you go to the HPR, uh, Twitter feed, there's a, um, HPR statistics. So we've got, uh, 40, we were steadily grown from around, say, 2017. Up until the start of the pandemic, we went mm -hmm. from uh, 25,000 to 40,000 subscribers a month. You know, steady growth, up and down. Up yeah. and down. Um, wow. And, we, and we've seen that now uh, plateau in the last year or two um, to around 35,000. So our gaining subscribers uh, at the same rate as we're kind of losing 
But that's down to the COVID. I mean, I don't, that's down to the COVID, Jason. Because I, uh, I also, I don't have a three hour commute anymore. Commute, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I've got a queue of podcasts. I, I'm working or I'm doing tech support for the kids uh, or I'm going out <laughs> on my mandatory walk with my wife. Not that I, you know, life's different. I don't have as much uh, um, downtime, wasted time. So mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. the thing. And then you have you have things like the BBC. You're releasing a lot of shows on, on uh, uh, you know, shows that that they and even our, the national broadcasters here and the national broadcasters are in order to be relevant, they're spinning off lots of shows that are relatively niche into the podcasting world. And that's, that's great, which is, you know, it's funny because, um, <laughs> I was in work and, uh, uh, one of the managers came up to me and goes, Hey Ken, there's this cool thing, podcasting. Have you heard about it? <laughs> I pick up a, a nice. HPR business card. And get to, yeah, we've been running for fifteen years. You youngsters, oh, brilliant. But it's it's good. It's good because you know, again, back in the day, it was it was kind of this rebel melee thing, and then that went to how do we monetize it? And you know, I got to monetize it. I'm producing fifty shows a week, and and basically living in my mom's basement. Um, <laughs> which is absolutely fine, of course. Um, but, you know, that was, that was the thing, how to monetize it. And now national broadcasters need to do it in order to stay relevant. So, uh, yeah. But then again, there comes a point where you're listening to all these shows, and or I had at least a point where I'm listening to all these shows, and I think, well, I can contribute. How do I contribute back? I've got all this excellent knowledge um, from people. How do I can contribute back? And podcasting yourself is a way to do that, particularly in HBR. If you have something that's relevant, then uh, um, then you submit it here because uh, we go on the Internet Archive, and that's you know that's got a the whole point of the Archive project is, uh, which is an interesting thing if you do some research on, on what they've done. Um, they're replicating the the archive in multiple places, and hopefully, you know, if Armageddon comes, the the, the recordings of your voice and HPR will be there forever. And when the aliens come along to figure out what it was, they'll be tuning into the Linux and those going, "Yeah, I can see why this planet was destroyed." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so, so can. Finally, before we wrap this up, because we have to in a few minutes, because we don't want to kind of <laughs> break the two-hour mark, I suppose. Uh, any final call to action? Yes, um, I, I need you to submit chills, uh, people listening, and I need you, if you think that you can't submit a show because, uh, I don't know, English isn't your first language or you've got speech impediment or whatever, then write the script for us and we have a team of highly paid professionals who will uh, who will narrate that for you and submit it as your show. That's not a problem. Um, if you are, go- just keep in the back of your mind, is this a HPR show? Act as a scout for HPR and um, have a listen because Getting keeping the the show uh, the the feed uh, calendar full that's a full time job and if if we have scouts out there helping us to do that that would be great and another thing is we don't have a HP, we don't have a Wikipedia entry and the reason for that is 
we have uh, how many holes? <laughs> All the people who are technical in nature are barred from doing that because they've all submitted shows to HBR and they're no longer uh, they're no longer allowed to do that. So, no, I mean this is this is the important bit, people. Yeah, we got three hundred and twenty-four people. If hosts. if you can manage to put in references that point to HBR of good quality on good quality websites, finally. Wikipedia will accept the entry. The entry is there. It just needs a few more references, and then it's good to go. Then the editors will decide that this is worth publishing. I okay. tried myself about a year ago, or maybe one and a half years ago, but I, but the, but the links simply weren't there. So the feedback that I got basically was, if you can provide more quality links, we think about publishing this Wikipedia entry. I, I reckon it's about 97% complete. All we are missing is a good few backlinks to HBR. Of quality sites coming back, coming from quality sites and then we're there. And Ken to your first point, absolutely. I mean, just Linux Inlux is probably the best example about almost over, slightly over a year ago, we were a little unknown herd of podcasts. Now we are getting offers for TV shows. Cartels hunt us with regards to kind of, <laughs> I can't really talk about the details, but there's a lot of money involved. Never mind global syndication rights people. Think about it. It only took a year. <laughs> Jokes aside. <laughs> we do have on the about page. <laughs> uh, but bottom line is actually uh, HPR is the place to be. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. On the about page of uh, HPR, there are references to where we've been published in um, news articles and print media and stuff like that. So, Cool. Ken, that has been more than wonderful. And uh, we yeah. would love to talk for hours, but yes, but unfortunately, we're working on the time budget. Yeah, Thank you very much for being on this. Yeah. I'm dead sure that this won't be the last show that the Linux in-laws will do on HPR. So stay tuned and thank you for your time. No and of course, we are, and of course, we are happy to be on HPR. They are indeed. Thanks a lot, Ken, for all the great work. Yes, we do have feedback. We do, we do. It's great. Um, someone called Brian. In Ohio, if I'm completely mistaken. Yeah, it's slightly confusing whether he's, it suggests he's not from Ohio, he's just temporarily visiting or. Brian, if you, if you're listening, please do get in touch. The email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Mm. You don't have to post a comment Again, on HBR, no, but, he just, but you no, can. No, he just, he just got in touch, anybody. Yes, <laughs> indeed. You want him to come in touch again? Oh. Uh, no, basically he posted this on, on, H on HPR. Brian, for a more personal approach, which is of course always appreciated, the email address is feedback at Linux in Los But of course, posting comments on Hacker Public Radio is fine as well. Mm. Don't get me wrong. So well, Martin, why don't you read out the feedback? What a good idea. Yes. So Brian, um, not Brian from the uh, life of Brian, I think. But anyway, Brian, as uh, a topic is free speech, and he says, so free speech is okay unless the FSFE decides it's not okay. Except for RMS's quirky behavior, he was never accused of doing anything illegal. He was merely exercising his right endowed by our creator of free speech. His only fail was not realizing that the force police had invaded the FSF down with Big Brother. So, Brian, hmm. fair point. Hmm. Indeed. 
Right. No, um, no, Martin, of, co- of course, he's, he's absolutely spot on. It's all about free speech. So if you want to endorse pedophilia, I'm just saying that as an example, you are mm. free to do so, of course. But as pedophilia implies, there is a certain, what's what I'm looking for? Com- common More. sense. Yeah, well, there's, there's, com- yeah, there's common sense and then there's legality, right? Yes, not to bring up certain subjects in certain contexts. And if the track record of a certain Richard Stallman, never mind the historical records or anything to go by, he didn't endorse, he didn't endorse pedophilia, but what he said came, clo- came very close to this. My hmm. personal interpretation of the matter, I need to say, but links, of course, will be in the show notes. But even just from an ethical perspective, and this is exactly what the FSF and the F- and certain parts of the FSF and the FSFE in particular basically objected to, it's simply not on. You see, you do not make jokes about dead people. There's reason for this. Similar, you don't endorse pedophilia. Um, what's wrong with making jokes about dead people? Uh, you don't do it. Well, they're not going to hear it, are they? So what's the Correct, point? but you see, the people who still I'm live sure they may, either. may object to this. <laughs> oh, the pe- yes, that's fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, not all of them, but certain people will. So it's it's about basic social protocols that may have been violated here. And even the thought of this, and this has nothing to do with thought police, I might add. It's, sorry, it's simply not on. So, of course, Richard M. Storman claimed that he's suffering from autism, that he's suffering from some sort of autism. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. Even this is not, even if this is not a pretext, it, that's only a, that's, that's only a lame excuse as at least that's what it's coming across like. And sorry, this is not really on. Of course, this is my personal opinion. Martin may disagree, but in the, in the broader social context, remarks like this, that won't fly. And that's exactly what many people have reacted to. Of course, it's we are talking about the democracy here, so everybody is free to voice their own opinion, goes without saying. Mm. But quite a few people have objected, have voiced their objection on places like GitHub, and that's exactly what happened in, within the FSFE. And that has nothing to do with, with, with Big Brother or, or the Thought Police. No, it's basic moral standards here. Well, it's it's more so as you say, fitting in with the society you live in, right? If you, um, it's it's well and good saying that free speech is has to be completely free and uh, nothing else matters. But if you're operating within the society, you have to abide by the that's that's the, exactly the, it. The, the the legal rules, but also the unwritten rules, right? Yes, that, we so. we are marked as explicit for a reason on Hacker Public Radio because mm. we do say things. That might offend people, but if my myself's correct, we've never really endorsed pedophilia. Uh, or do we, uh, Martin? No, I don't. Not, that wouldn't go past no. the, our own thought police. That's for sure. And, and, and that's ex- and that's exactly it. Hmm. We may imply unionism with vampires and all the rest of it, but there's a certain threshold that we normally do not cross. 
communism we, 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 we make we may make <laughs> jokes about certain yeah. topics yeah. but for example we do not endorse pedophilia it goes without saying at least not in a serious context mm-hmm. and i think that we should leave it at that yeah yeah i'm sure that um uh people may comment should they wish to that, that is our and of course indeed. exactly if you disagree feel free to Send mail to forward slash dev forward slash null. No, of course not. <laughs> the email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Tap attribution, share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margot, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> Ever wondered what my beloved co-host gets up to when nobody's listening? Is it peddling contraband to cartels in Central America? Wholesale weapons dealing? Or organizing coke supply chains on the global level? Stay tuned and find out yourself. isn't it? Samuel Pro whistling and humming. Who'd thought of that? But wait, there's more. Now for the grand finale. Is that on thingy cloud? Thingy cloud. Where is thingy cloud? Uh, um, um, um. 
Oh, there it is. Got it. Okay. Uh, find my screen. You see, Martin, it's not enough to increase the login level. You have to take a look at the logs too. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> You know what the latest craze is? Um, I just, I just found out the other day, um, because the federal, the federal idiots are running the show now. Okay. (laughs) You heard about this, right? Uh, the the individual, the individual, the individual federal states, and listen to this, passed a law. Yes. Right, right, right. Passed an emergency legislation that allows, that, that gives Berlin more power. In terms of really cracking down on local level with regards to school openings, barber shops, okay. shops in general, and all the rest of it. Sensible. Now, <laughs> but you see, it's a federal state. It's not the UK. There's a difference. It's a federal well, country. We, we have these weird splinter groups as well, like Wales and Scotland. So. <laughs> not even coming close, man. <laughs> okay. Now my local gym demands a, 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 um, an a attestation from a doctor so that I can get in. Okay. And this is coming directly from Berlin. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.